Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Children love stories, and so I guess a good way to communicate the gospel to them is to simply tell them the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Now, I have two lovely granddaughters, both under the age of eight, and I often wonder about when and how I should share the gospel with them. The other day, I downloaded a beautifully illustrated comic book-style tract for children, and I was very interested to see if I would be able to use this approach with my two little princesses. So I eagerly viewed this tract, seeking to see it both through the eyes of a child and my own theological spectacles. So let me tell you the gist of it, and then I want to ask you if you can spot what you think is missing in it, and I will certainly tell you what I believe is missing. So the story begins in the very beginning, with an account of the creation, and it goes right up until the point where God made Adam and Eve. Then comes a series of frames depicting a very glamorous Eve interacting with the serpent and the eating of the forbidden fruit. A text box is there, and it describes the effects of this disobedience with these words. It says, Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. Their innocence was taken away. Now they knew the difference between good and evil. The next set of pictures shows a forlorn couple being expelled from the Garden of Eden, and the text box insert reads, God's promise of salvation. The perfect unity between God and his beloved creation was broken. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, they were separated from God, but God already had a plan to redeem his creation. God's plan would bring the hope of salvation to all the people of the world. Then comes a picture of a very sin-ravaged world, and then it moves on from there to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And the insert text box reads, God loves us, but we sin, which separates us from Him. Sin means going against what God wants for our lives, but God has a plan to fix the broken relationship. Then follow depictions of Jesus being baptized and teaching and interacting with children, feeding the hungry, and even walking on water. Then come some pictures of the Pharisees plotting against Jesus. And it shows his arrest in Gethsemane, his trial, and crucifixion. Next come depictions of the empty tomb, and Jesus commissioning his disciples before ascending back into heaven. And the last set of pictures show the disciples praying and then going out, healing the sick, and telling the story about Jesus. Then, after a depiction of persecution, kind of a hardship scene, comes the assurance that despite troubles and hardships, the good news keeps spreading across the world. The final admonition to the reader is, you can help to spread the good news too. Then the entire children's tract ends with five steps. Step one, God loves. Step two, we sin. Step three, Jesus died. Step four, God forgives. And step five, we accept. And the concluding panel starts with, you are a follower of Jesus, exclamation mark. What happens next, question mark. And it then gives four suggestions for spiritual growth. You know, read your Bible, pray, go to church and so on. Okay, so is this tract what I need to help my granddaughters enter into an eternal yet present-day relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's not, 
then what's missing? So here are the things I noticed were missing. 1. The impact of original sin is understated, but more importantly, it's not really applied to the reader at a personal level. There's no real attempt to explain the spiritual death that came into the world from that moment onwards. Sin is simply described as choosing my own ways over God's or doing anything he does not want me to do. 2. There is no mention of the need to be born again. You know, but being born again was the central issue that Jesus addressed with the Pharisee, with the teacher of Israel, with Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. And of course, because there is no focus on the rebirth of a dead spirit, then there is no reference at all to spiritual relationship with God through Christ. Yeah, there's no word relationship in there that I could spot. And, and there's no reference to the required response to God's supernatural in intervention in our lives. Thirdly, the only pointer to the work of the Holy Spirit that really I could see was the picture of a chubby little dove over Jesus' head when he was being baptized. There's absolutely no mention of Pentecost. There's no reference to the need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, in a recent sermon I preached at the village church called the Tree of Life Triptych, I made the statement that our churches today are crowded with Christianized people who have never been born again. Therefore, they have no real relationship with God, no empowerment for life and ministry, and no evidence of salvation beyond rule-keeping, rituals, good works, and some Bible knowledge. I've written before on the subject under the titles of What Must We Do to Be Saved? and another one called The Need for New Birth, and the third one, Stillborn Souls. And you'll find those and others at www.truthistheword.com truthistheword, all one word, dot com. Now, I have absolutely no doubt that the folk who produced this beautiful children's gospel tract are dedicated men and women and that they earnestly seek to bring children into the kingdom of God. So I'm not criticizing them. Hang on, I don't know them. However, I have serious reservations concerning this tract, and about many other similar efforts that I've seen, to evangelize without presenting the need for the following three things. 1. The supernatural action of the Holy Spirit in miraculously bringing life to a spiritually dead human being. The need to be born again, in other words. 2. The clear presentation, obviously appropriate to different ages and cultural groups, of the deity and humanity of Jesus, of what he achieved on our behalf through his crucifixion and the resurrection. 3. The need for us to respond to this with belief in who he is, in what he has done, followed by heartfelt repentance for the sin of rebellious self-centeredness and the confession of this sin, then followed by the passionate petition to God to grant a personal rebirth of the Spirit by virtue of what Jesus has done, and then lastly a testimony of this new reality in our lives, preferably through public water baptism. Now, I know it might be a little radical for some and uh, very dogmatic to many, I'm sure. But in my considered opinion and in my understanding of the scripture, 
anything less than this yields only spiritual inoculation, lifeless religiosity, frustration, and continued separation from God now and for eternity. One of the reasons our churches are full of spiritually unregenerate Christians, in, put that in single inverted commas, Christians, is I think the way we present the gospel to our children. And our children are the ones who sit in our chairs and pews in future years. Another reason is our neglect of preaching the full and glorious gospel to adults, but often substituting a sort of while all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed altar call formula. And people respond to some kind of call to action without understanding what they're actually doing and why they're doing it. And the heart is not engaged, and not really the will, often just the emotion. 2 Timothy 3.5, Paul describes these victims of impotent evangelism as having a form of godliness, but denying its power. So my challenge to all of us is to examine what we believe and how we communicate this to others, not least our children. And may the Holy Spirit grant us clarity and the courage to change when we need to. Till next time, God be with you. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is